and welcome to Cognitive Conversations, a psychotherapy podcast. My name is Michelle, and I'm a grad student studying to become a psychotherapist and wanted to create this podcast to explore psychotherapeutic concepts and encourage more conversation around mental health and therapy. In this episode, we're going to be talking about ego defenses or defense mechanisms. So to give a little outline of the episode, we're going to start by talking about the history of ego defenses and then talk about the therapeutic interventions and different levels of ego defenses, and then go over some specific types with examples and maybe start to help you realize or recognize um, some of the ego defenses you're engaging in. So to introduce ego defenses briefly, these are unconscious forms of defense that our mind uses to ease distress or to avoid really overwhelming thoughts or experiences. They tend to distort reality in order to cope with it, and they can be very extreme or very subtle. They can persist for years, or they can be fleeting in any given moment, but in essence, they're there to protect us. So ego defenses were first introduced by the infamous Freud, of course, and he claimed that they were unconscious mechanisms that work to reduce conflict between the id and the superego. So let's take a look at that for a sec. The id is drive-driven. It's the source of our most basic and stubborn desires, the little kid who wants cake or the sex-driven mind of a teenage boy. And then there's our superego, which is kind of like the parent, morally conscious and eagerly aware of ethical consequences. Naturally, these two components are easily at war with one another, and our ego is there to mediate the fight. Freud believed that ego defenses were a way for your mind to cope with anxiety and prevent the ego from overwhelm. So one thing I want to mention before we get to things is that ego defenses are not necessarily meant to be shattered. It's not always the goal of therapy to break down ego defenses. In fact, they're there doing a really good job at protecting us uh, when we need that protection. And in some cases, allowing them to do their thing is preferable. Um, so then the question arises, when do we uncover and work with ego defenses in therapy? Well, when something is working for someone in the wrong ways, if it's causing relational issues, internal conflict, or in any way doing more harm than good, or just as a way to increase self-awareness, working through and analyzing what's really going on or learning better ways to cope can be very therapeutic. So if someone, for example, frequently rationalizes every negative experience saying, oh, he's always late because of XYZ or oh, I'm sure she only picks on me at work because I remind her of someone that she doesn't like. Maybe that's something worth exploring. Why is the mind continuing to rationalize? What prompted it? What's it defending against? Uh, This is just one example of a defense mechanism, but so much insight can come from this kind of work. So therapeutically, there's two ways to go about dealing with defense mechanisms um, should you decide to work through them. First, you can provide a band-aid solution, like supplying breathing techniques, supportive mechanisms, all that stuff. And second, you can uncover. You can point out to the client what you're witnessing and bring them into the awareness of the defensive pattern against whatever it is that's at the root of their anxiety or overwhelm. Um, Now, we can't always do the latter because sometimes it's simply too aggressive of an intervention And we can get the sense that what's going on beneath is simply too much to uncover or handle in the moment. 
which is fine. What's important is to really listen and observe what's going on. Um, make an assessment about how, uh, the client will handle the situation. Um, just making sure that you only guide this kind of work when it's safe for the client. Every client is going to be different and it's just important to assess the capacity for the client to work through this as well as the repercussions. Is this coming up at the end of a session? Is there enough time to work through this and have them leave the session feeling safe and more self-aware? Or are you guiding them to further harm? So now I want to look at the different levels of ego defenses. So they range from immature, low-level defenses to higher-level, mature defenses. Immature defenses are our most primitive defenses like denial, regression, projection. I'll get into um, more examples in a bit. But immature defenses are those that distort or dismiss reality the most. Um, Adults will resort to primitive, low-level defensive when they have not yet learned higher-level ways of coping, um, or when something is short-term and really triggering, and they're just going to automatically resort to low-level defenses. Uh, Something else to note is that immature defenses are unconscious whereas we can see a lot more conscious defenses as we move up the scale to mature defenses. So mature defenses tend to be healthier ways of coping, like sublimation or humor. Uh, Again, I'll get into examples in a bit. They're often um, much less primitive than immature defenses. Um, So by mature, I mean they're often used in adults who have developed an understanding and higher level coping strategies. So they're more intentional and conscious and people choose to engage in these to ease discomfort. Um, they're like the ideal way of coping, which obviously are not our instinctive easy ways. Now to put these into tangible examples, I want to review some specific types of ego defenses, but first I want to reiterate that These are all extremely normal and common forms of defenses for adults. They're not an indication of psychopathology, nor are they actively meant to be deconstructed necessarily. So if you're listening to this and you find that you often engage in uh, immature defenses, it's not a sign of um, weakness or immaturity or pathology. It's just um, the way your mind has learned to cope with things and it's not an indication of something bad. It's just information that maybe can help you understand and bring light to how your mind's working. With that said, let's move on to some examples. So we'll start off with some immature low-level defenses and then slowly move up to the higher-level mature defenses. So we'll start off with denial. Most of us know what denial is. It's when we completely reject an experience. We often see this with grief or loss when someone is just completely in denial as a way to process an unbelievable amount of pain um, when they're dealing with loss. It could also be something more subtle, like denying suspicions of infidelity. Denial is the most blatant way to block anxiety or or unease, um, to just completely reject a discomforting emotion arising. And again, this is completely unconscious. So it's often the case that people don't recognize that they're engaging in denial, even if it's super obvious to the observer. And this can be a really tricky one for clients to admit to and recognize since it's so primitive and it often defends against some really deep emotional material. 
Next, we have projection. So this is when we project our thoughts or feelings onto someone else. So saying, my teacher hates me when really you're the one who hates your teacher. And again, this is a way to rid the conscious mind of having to accept or process something. And it's different to displacement, which I'll cover in a moment. Um, Next, we have repression. So repression is when we push unacceptable thoughts or feelings down into your unconscious. Um, It's similar to denial. Denial is avoiding external data. And repression is pushing down internal data, thoughts and feelings. And again, this happens automatically without awareness. So it's another one that's pretty difficult to work with in the therapy room. Next, we have somatization, which is when something is so blocked up from reaching our consciousness that it manifests in physical expression. Um, So a lot of the time, this can look like nausea or any form of physical pain, which is used as technically as a defense. And it's still unconscious, so it's not something we're aware of happening. And it's definitely one of the more sneaky ones. Um, Next, we have regression, which is when we revert back to early stages of development to avoid conflict or tension that's in the present moment. So this can look like stomping our feet, having temper tantrums. Sometimes this can look like an adult client curling up into fetal position during session. And again, this is a primitive defense. So we learn this as children and often receive comfort or support from this behavior. And it makes sense why the adult might turn to this defense when encountered with anxiety or overwhelm. Next, we have splitting. This is when something's all good or all bad in our head. Saying, I love my mom and I hate my mom. Um, We think this way as children until we learn a concept called constancy, which is the acceptance that things are complex and they're not all good or all bad. Next, we have projective identification. This is when the therapist is actually drawn to act out in ways that the client cannot. So the client is essentially unconsciously manipulating the therapist to act in a certain way when something's too overwhelming for the client to process. And this is a tricky one, and it can be recognized by the therapist when they sense that they're not acting in a way that is normal to them um, or makes sense to them. So their thoughts or behavior is not a result of their own past trauma experience emotions, but it's rather that they're taking on the client's unconscious for them. Now moving up the scale to higher level defenses, uh, we'll talk about displacement, which is when we direct an emotion to a different object than the actual target. So saying, I hate that student. He keeps guilt tripping me to giving a better mark. When you're really talking about, say, your partner who's kind of guilt tripping you into something, there's often some commonality between the real target and the person or thing you're displacing it onto. And again, it's a way to protect what's really going on, but to still release yourself of that emotion. Intellectualization is when we use expressive or abstract ideation to avoid difficult feelings. So saying Nietzsche said anger is ontological despair or describing your feelings through psychological phenomena. I've been caught doing this. I will admit to that. And I never actually realize what I'm doing in the moment. Um, next is isolation of affect. This is when we separate an idea from its associated affect state to avoid emotional turmoil. 
So when you think a feeling, but you don't actually feel it. So saying, I guess I'm angry at him, sort of. You're avoiding the emotion completely and thinking the feeling instead. Again, this is one I catch myself doing often. Next is rationalization. So this is when you come up with alternative um, explanations to justify a situation while denying the real um, explanation. So saying he's critical because he's so helpful. Um, This one I see in normal conversation every single day, and it's always in some form to avoid negative emotions or negative realities, excusing someone's behavior and just moving on. Then we have reaction formation, which is when you turn a feeling into the opposite. Um, So saying, I think she's so nice and great when really you dislike this person. This one sounds a bit wild, but I promise you it happens more than you think. And I'm positive you've done this without even recognizing it. And finally, we're going to go over some of the most mature defenses. So the most conscious, intentional forms of coping. So the first is going to be humor. And this is just when we find comic or ironic relief in a situation and we decrease the pain and increase the emotional distance, essentially. Next is suppression, which is it's like repression, but it's conscious. So we're intentionally suppressing material and deciding not to attend to it. Um, This one's often timing. So when we're not willing to deal with something in a moment, like you just got some news and you're going into a big presentation, you're going to suppress that material so that you're able to behave normally until you are able to go back and process it. Next is sublimation. Have you ever written a song to express your feelings or created a piece of art to try to sort of express an emotion you're dealing with? Sublimation is when we redirect feeling into a socially productive activity. So sometimes I write poems when I feel things strongly, and for some reason that relieves strong emotions for me, and it feels like an accomplished, mature way to process my feelings. Now, there are many more, um, but I wanted to just cover the basics in this episode. I really do hope you learned something from this discussion of ego defenses and maybe share some of what you've learned about yourself or in general about human emotional processing. Start up conversations, journal about what stood out for you during this episode, maybe even go back and think about examples of how you've engaged in each of these defenses in your own life. Um, And finally, thank you so much for listening. This has been my very first podcast episode, and I really appreciate any feedback. And I can't wait to make more of these. So thanks again, and I'll talk to you soon.